1: Cone tax is the nothing personal word of the day. Today is Tuesday, September 20th, 2022. It's pretty cool to have a tax named after you in Major League Baseball, a spending tax. The luxury tax thresholds were argued about when the players and the owners were trying to do a collective bargain agreement. And the owners wanted to make sure the luxury tax thresholds were as low as possible. The players wanted to make sure the luxury tax thresholds were as high as possible because the assumption was that the higher they are, the more payroll that more teams will have and the more money more players will get to share. And then there was a special level put in at $290 million million dollars—a payroll that really is unthinkable to me at least. $290 $290 million called the Cone Threshold, which was wanted by owners to try to control the spending of the new owner on the block, Stephen Cone. He bought the Mets. Mets fans were all excited, having flown banners over the stadium for years. Sell, Will Wilpon, sell. The reason we haven't won a World Series since 1986, the entirety of Coca's life is that the Wilpons didn't spend enough. Well, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. They certainly spent more than we ever spent. They certainly had some World Series appearances, but haven't won it. I get it. Out goes Wilpon, in comes Cohn, and the spending begins right after. He says, hey, I'm going to win a World Series in the next three to five years. and We're only in year two. The Mets last night, while you were watching, sleeping, or not paying attention, all you Mets fans out there, are in the playoffs. Yippee! The New York Mets have made the playoffs. It doesn't mean they've won the division. They're still fighting with the Atlanta Braves for the division. Can you imagine 200 win teams in the same division? That almost never happens, except last year when the Dodgers and the Giants did it. But normally it never happens. So yesterday is a day that owners and team presidents do not look forward to. It's a day when the luxury tax bill comes due and your payrolls get put in a list and printed. The thing with payrolls is that it's so weird. Imagine the company that you're in and the job that you have. Imagine if you opened the newspaper or went online to the USA Today or any plethora of websites and there were all the salaries of every employee, you and every other employee, and then they added it up, and so you could see if you're working at, let's say, I don't know, CVS, you could see what everybody's making, and then you could compare it to what everybody's making at Walgreens or Dwayne Reed or ShopRite or pick any drugstore you want. Can you imagine that concept sort of always made me queasy? that our payrolls and the player salaries were out there. So the list comes out of the teams who are above the luxury tax thresholds. And we've got ourselves a bit of an interesting situation post CBA. There are, wait for it, six teams over the threshold. There haven't been that many in six years. You've got the Mets, the Dodgers, can you name them? The Yankees. Big market so far, they're doing great. The Phillies fire their manager. They could make the playoffs, they could not, not bad. The Padres, we know they're over the luxury tax threshold because they're so jealous of the Dodgers. They have to spend like drunken sailors trying to make their low revenue team a mid to high revenue team, good luck with that. Can you name the sixth team over the threshold? The Boston Red Sox. Quick question. Do you get upset when your team spends money but doesn't win? Or do you get upset when your team doesn't spend money and wins? Or do you get upset when your team doesn't spend money and doesn't win? What about spending money and winning? Everybody's happy with that. There can't be one unhappy Mets fan out there. Not one. I don't even want to hear one complaint. Steve Cohn... Is willing and did go over his own luxury tax threshold exactly as all the owners thought he would when they approved his purchase of the Mets not a big deal you say the reason it is is that when other owners don't like you they start coming up with specific rules trying to make you not win Now, there are owners who are not liked, like Artie Moreno, as an example, but he doesn't win. His Angels missed the playoffs. They were eliminated yesterday for the eighth straight year. So you sort of just let him be because you want him to keep spending money and meddling and keep spending money incorrectly. But when you've got an owner who spends money and wins, then you get jealousy, and when there's jealousy amongst owners what they do is they try to figure out in back rooms and behind their backs of course because you never confront owners you go through the commissioner or you do it in committees where that team is not represented it's like a little sewing circle these owners meetings got to look around the room and figure out who's talking about you it's like survivor so what rules could be changed to tell steve Cohn to stop spending hmm I think we'll have to give that some thought. So Steve Cohn spends, he's gonna pay a huge luxury tax bill, huge. Can you, this is the concept of the luxury tax. You pay your players a salary, so that's your payroll. Then you have to pay benefits and pension benefits. Then you have to put in your portion of the pre-arbitration pool, which is like a million and a half dollars. Add all those numbers up and that's called your luxury tax payroll. The Mets, are going to have a 298.8 million dollar luxury tax payroll this year almost 300 million dollars the threshold that was agreed to was 290. i didn't think anyone would go over 290 although i figured steve Cohn would try to go over it but by 8 million dollars it's the highest payroll in the history of baseball the Dodgers were up at 297 in 2015. Who remembers that year? Hey, hey, Coco, will you check something? What was the first year, if you can check that, that Mark Walters and the Guggenheim group bought the Dodgers? Was 2015 their first season? It could have been. And remember when you buy a team, you get tremendous tax benefits. The Dodgers got that tremendously large TV deal where they didn't have to declare most of it for revenue sharing purposes. So all sorts of things were happening that made the Dodgers spend that crazy amount of money that year, which they did. And that was the record until this year. So that means basically that the Mets and Dodgers are paying this amount of money. The Mets have to write a check for $29.9 million. That's not peanuts, even for billionaires. So Steve Cohn has one goal. It can only be the goal to win the World Series, because making the playoffs, even if you win your division, that's not good enough. And there's no way the Mets are generating enough revenue in order to sustain that type of payroll. I promise you, the New York Mets do not make money and Steve Cohn does not own SNY, the network which would help him make money when the team is losing money. He makes money in his venture capital firm on Wall Street. That helps him handle the losses as well as the fact that he's worth billions. But even billionaires do not like losing money year in and year out. So what he's trying to do is win a World Series and hope that that generates incremental increased revenue that can sustain the operation of the team. The risk of that strategy is actually winning the World Series and then not having the concomitant increase in revenue. And when that happens, you see payrolls go down. So the Mets have this situation where it's World Series or bust, and Buck Showalter absolutely feels the pressure. Buck Showalter could be the right manager for this team. He could not be. He's sort of the Larry Brown of managers. He comes in, and he is a good shot in the arm for teams. He's very disciplined. He's very experienced. But then teams generally get tired of him, and he doesn't last too long. And he's been very clear what his expectations are because he got those expectations from his owner, that he will win the World Series. That's the expectation. Oh, the Dodgers were bought in 2012, so their first season was 13, so it was the Dodgers' third season. My point still stays the same, Matt, which is that the tax benefits, the depreciation, the amortization, and that TV deal still allowed the Dodgers to have that payroll. God, I forgot. It's been 10 years for them. So in any case, the Mets are... In the postseason for the first time since 16, it'll be an interesting last two weeks to see who wins the division. You remember what we told you. There aren't many great races going on in September that are team-based. A lot of individual races with Pujols and Judge, Triple Crown for Judge and for Goldschmidt. All of that is right. But the playoff series, the playoff really interest is who's going to host the AL wildcard because the three teams in the AL are already all set with Tampa, Toronto, and Seattle. And who's going to win the NL East with Atlanta or um, the Mets? Now, I could say it's interesting for the wild card, the National League. Could the Brewers catch the Phillies? Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. What about the teams? When you, when you go over the luxury tax threshold, so the list comes to you. I was talking about the list. I got back to it, Coke. I knew what I was talking about. I knew I wanted to get somewhere. We would get the list. And the reason why we were always interested in the luxury tax list and who went over it is because that money, that luxury tax money, that gets paid out to teams who are low-revenue teams who don't violate any of the... Don't you overspend for slot rules in the draft, both international, amateur, and arbitration, and all sorts of other things. And so we were always very careful not to violate any of that. So the more money paid in taxes, the more money that gets sent through, sort of like revenue sharing, down to low revenue teams. So we'd wait and press refresh, like Mark Zuckerberg in the social network. Refresh, refresh. All right, here comes the memo. Here's the amount. I love it so that's what's going on with that did you remember the Detroit Tigers were over the luxury tax in 2016 that was the team that surprised me the last time there were six teams over it was of course the Yankees the Dodgers the Red Sox the Giants back then the Cubs back then as you would imagine they won the World Series and the Tigers forgot about that okay in baseball, you're not allowed to give bonuses for wins. And I bring that up because I read yesterday that Jimmy Garoppolo got $100,000 because the Niners won a game. So when he changed his contract to go from like $24 million to $6 million, he got bonuses put in, in there that can help him earn $12 million that he's now going to earn most likely because Trey Lance broke his ankle So now Jimmy G is the quarterback. Remember, he's the one who wanted to be traded. The Niners wanted to trade him. They couldn't get enough back, so they decided to keep him, restructured his contract, made him the backup quarterback. They were giving the team to Trey Lance. Everything's coming up roses. The Niners have a chance to be decent, and then wouldn't you know it, he breaks his ankle, has surgery, out for the year, in trots Jimmy G. The Niners win and he made an extra $350,000 on Sunday. 250,000 of that is because he took more than 25% of the snaps under center. Is it over center or under center? Maybe it's under center because your hands are under the center's touches, or is it over center because you're standing over the center? Coco, which, you're, the, you're the football guru. Which one do you say, over or under? It's under center. So it has to be referring to the hands, doesn't it? Because otherwise it would be over center, wouldn't it? Anyway, so he has this contract that gives him 250,000 for the snaps and 100,000 for the win. If you're negotiating a contract with your employer, why would you possibly take money for a team win when you don't control a team win? So for example, when there's basketball, I could say that I really have a lot to do with the team winning because I play offense and defense. If you're Shohei Otani, you can say you have a lot to do with, oh, Koka, Otani, sorry. Someone tweeted at me at David P. Sampson yesterday after listening to yesterday's show when I said, can you imagine an example of a top of the line starting rotation guy who also is a top-of-the-order power hitter. That person doesn't exist. And someone tweeted at me, wait a minute, wouldn't that be Otani? That would be an example. Hello, I was talking about Otani. Anyway, back to Jimmy G. So you're not allowed to get incentives for winning games in baseball. And if you don't control it the way you could in basketball by playing offense and defense, why do you accept that? You could, you could be the best quarterback and your receivers stink or the best offense and your defense stinks or there's some random field goal miss at the end of a game or a PAT or whatever and you're giving up money. I found that to be interesting. An example of incentives that I like are what Tom Brady had in his deal. Tom Brady last year could make I don't know, two and a half million dollars extra in his contract. He had to finish like in the top five and passer rating. But he got money if he made the playoffs. So I'm in. That's sort of a team accomplishment over the course of a season. He got money to win each round of the playoffs. I like that. We always liked giving money away for MVP in the playoffs because then your team's in the playoffs and you're making extra money. And if you are a team like the Buccaneers and you advance the way they did, win the Super Bowl the way they did, you are gonna make more money locally. Increase your ticket prices, increase your sponsorship deals. But a random week seven win? I'm not buying it. I don't know why he did it. But Jimmy G, he's right there. $12 million for a starting quarterback. Maybe the Niners think that's a good deal now because it sort of is for a quarterback of his caliber, and they got to it in a very, very backwards way. All right, let's take a break now, Coco, because the review of the movie that we're going to do is going to be less of a movie review and more of a conversation, and then I want to talk about Kyler Murray as well because something happened that brought me right to the brink of anger in the Cardinals Raiders game on Sunday. And I didn't think it was even gonna be a conversation. And now it's more than a conversation. We'll be right back.
0: Introducing Wondersuite from bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone.
1: ATTENTION, ALL Goat GUNS ENTHUSIASTS! HAVE YOU SEEN WHAT SARGE HAS RELEASED RECENTLY? THESE NEW MODELS AND ATTACHMENTS ARE SURE TO EXCITE YOU! OUTFIT YOUR DESK WITH THESE METICULOUSLY CRAFTED GUN MODELS! GUARANTEED TO EXCEED YOUR EXPECTATIONS! Or WE'LL BUY THEM BACK UP TO a 100 DAYS! DON'T MISS OUT ON THE OPPORTUNITY TO ADD THESE STUNNING PIECES TO YOUR COLLECTION! VISIT GOGUNS.COM NOW TO SEE OUR NEW RELEASES! WELCOME BACK TO NOTHING PERSONAL my name is David Sampson. Coke and I come to you every day, 45 minutes. Thank you for your time and attention and for doing the things you're supposed to do to let other people know that you like the show. Spreading the word, telling your friends, amen. One of you, I watch a movie every day, much to the chagrin of anyone in my life, but I do. And one of you, and I love your suggestions from the audience. I do. Keep them coming. The list is long. But i try to get to some someone wanted me to watch a movie i'd never heard of called the immaculate room so i look and i see that emile hirsch is in it who i love from milk and i love from into the wild just a a great actor and kate bosworth who i enjoyed with was she in win a date with tad hamilton by chance Is there a chance that anybody's heard of the movie Win a Date with Tad Hamilton, with Fergie's ex-husband who just got remarried? I really like that movie and I think that was her. And it had Topher Grace in it, who I love. You may know him from that 70s show. I know him from In Good Company, another great movie. Did I say his name wrong? It's just Josh Duhamel? What did I call him? Josh Shamel? I don't know what I called him. Or I didn't call him anything. (laughs) I said, Fergie's husband. That's true, but it is Josh Duhamel. Ex-husband, not husband, Coca. Ex. Okay, The Immaculate Room. So I see the cast. I'm in. I turn it on. Didn't read anything. And all of a sudden, I find out that it's a movie about two people who enter into a challenge. They will get $5 million if they can spend 50 days in a room with nothing. It's an all-white large room that has an all-white bed, an all-white bathroom, but a black toothbrush so they can tell the difference. God knows you don't want to mix toothbrushes with someone you're with for 50 straight days. There's no light because there's no windows. They turn the lights on like you're in prison at 7 a.m., turn them off at 10 p.m., and there's a countdown clock. And if you go crazy, you can hit a button, you leave the room, and here's the catch. If one of the two people leave, the one who remains doesn't get two and a half million, half of five, doesn't get five, gets $1 million. So if your boyfriend or girlfriend leaves, you lose $4 million for the first person leaving. If you both leave, obviously you get nothing. In addition, you can get a treat. You can pay for it, But a treat costs between $100,000 and $250,000. And the treat, you don't know what it is. It's like the ultimate let's make a deal. Do you want what's behind door number one? Or maybe they say curtain number one or curtain number two. Is that a boomer joke? I'm afraid it may be, Coca. Let's make a deal with Monty Hall. There's some sort of bug right in front of me. Monty Hall, I think they still have the show now but it's with a different host. Like to me, Bob Barker is still the Price is Right guy. No matter how long Drew Carey does it, it's Bob Barker's show. So if you buy a treat and then out comes something, and I'm not gonna tell you what the treat is, except one of them is a treat and one may be a trick, but either way, you can call them both treats. And so the question I had while watching this movie, because the movie is average, but the conversation is well above average. And the conversation is, what would you do for money? Would you go into solitary confinement in a prison for 50 days to get $5 million? Just to give you the quick math, let's say 50 days, seven times 50 is 350. Let's roughly say that you would then make five million seven times in a year. That's an average annual salary of $35 million. Would you spend a full year in solitary confinement for $35 million or just do 50 days for $5 million? And you're with someone, supposedly a girlfriend, a friend. But when I say there's nothing to do, you have to picture solitary confinement, but in a bigger space. You don't get to do anything. You can work out, but there's no equipment. You can do push-ups and sit-ups. You can run laps around the room. You can do squats by putting your hand on the bed. You can sleep, you can rest. The food is not five-star food. It's sort of like prison food, but worse, spoiler alert. So the human experiment as it relates to money fascinates me. And the reason it does is that some people have said, hey, if you have money, you would never do that. The only people who would do it are people who have no money where that would be life-changing money. And my answer, like when I was asked why I went on Survivor and I said, I don't have no idea how to make a million dollars in 39 days. That's the fastest I could ever make or anyone that I know could make $39, uh, $1 million. So that is a good business decision to go for 39 days for a chance to win a million dollars. So 5 million for 50 days, you had me at hello. So the question is not, would I do it? The question is, what's the price? And that to me is a mathematical equation. But other people ask a different question, which is, why would the money be worth it to put myself in a position of complete sensory deprivation? Temporary pain for potentially permanent pleasure feels like an equation that I can wrap my arms around. You're not committing any crimes. You're not hurting anybody. You're not stopping anybody from living their lives. You're not putting your values onto anyone else. You're not forcing other people to think or do things that you think or do. It is a total personal decision. All of the things that are total personal decisions should be able to be made without judgment and consequence. And yet we spend half of our day gossiping and judging what other people think, what other people do. I'm more than happy to judge and gossip about things that happen that impact my life. I'm more than happy to talk and use this platform to talk about issues. Let's just say today coincidentally is voter registration day, right? So go out there and register. You go to um nationalvoteregistrationday.org and you can register to vote. But that's a great example, right, where you your action will not just impact you, but it impacts Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions and tens of millions of people. That's how important your vote can be. Even in a state where you believe it doesn't matter, it's already blue, it's already red, why does my vote matter? Totally incorrect. Voting matters. So please register to vote today. But this experiment with making money for doing something, you go in with your eyes wide open. It reminded me of a decent proposal where Robert Redford said, hey, I'll give you a million bucks if I can have your wife for a night, he says to Woody Harrelson. And Demi Moore says, all right, we could use the million dollars. And then things went a little haywire. The reason things go haywire is not because of the money. They go haywire because of what people do for money and then the feelings they have, whether it's jealousy, whether it is anxiety, whether it is longing, Money is not the root of all evil, but it certainly is the seed from which the root can grow. And I don't say that as someone who has money, has no money. I say that as someone who has studied this. I've spoken to people for years about this concept because it's every water cooler conversation. If I gave you a million dollars, would you eat this? Haven't you all had that conversation? Would you go talk to that person How many times in high school, would you sleep with that person for a million dollars? How many times? And what do you always say? There's a line over which you will not cross. But everybody's line is different. And why should you judge someone else's line? Are you not okay with people ruining their lives, making decisions that are solely money-based? Does it make you not wanna make those decisions? Does it make you wanna make those decisions even more because you'll do better? If you watch The Immaculate Room, you will have an opportunity to have phenomenal discussions with your friends and family because what happens in The Immaculate Room does not stay in The Immaculate Room and it is worth your time. Movie, average. Post-movie conversation, well above average. It's called The Immaculate Room. Check it out. I was watching the Packers the other day. They had their uh, home opener against a team that I can't remember, and they crushed them. Oh, no, the Bears. We, it was our pick of the day. It was Sunday night's game. And I was watching the Lambo leap, which is what happens after a Packer scores a touchdown. It used to be just at Lambeau, but now I think it happens even on the road but you just have to be more careful where you leap because you want to leap into Packers fans and not fans of the home team if you're on the road. And so the Lambo leap is when you jump into the crowd and you get adulation, you get patted on the helmet. It's a full Bruce Arians hit on the helmet. Did you, oh, a little, oh, detour, not in the rundown, Coca. Did you see the Bruce Arians sideline issue with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Bruce Arians, the former head coach of the Buccaneers, who became not the head coach after Tom Brady came back, was on the sideline of the Buccaneers game when the kerfuffle happened, and Bruce Arians was implicated as a potential instigator in said kerfuffle that resulted in the one-game suspension of Mike Evans, who had a fight with the same guy he had a fight with earlier in this year, two years ago, three years ago, whenever it was. And Bruce Arians should not have been on the sidelines, or should he? The NFL is now going to start thinking about who should be on the sidelines and who shouldn't. And Bruce Arians may have just caused an entire new rule about who's allowed on the sidelines and who's not in football. I have no idea why that just came in my head. But the Lambo leap happens. And you're, oh, the Bruce Arians slap on the head. Remember when he slapped his player on the head and everyone said he's an abuser, a violent abuser for that? We covered that in the Levitard Show one week, maybe on Nothing Personal. So the Lambo Leap, you go into the crowd and you're hit and you're slapped and you're hugged and it's just everybody jumping for joy. So on Sunday, Kyler Murray and his team, the Arizona Cardinals, they ended up having a very improbable win, one of the three crazy wins of, of this week in the NFL. And he went after the win toward the crowd to do a a Lambeau Le. It wasn't the full leap because his feet never left the ground. And I think part of the beauty of the Lambeau Leap is the player literally has his feet off the ground as he's laying sort of concert style when you get crowd surfed. But he's on the ground and he's celebrating with a bunch of what I assume are Cardinals fans. And everyone's sort of trying to get close to him. And that was it. It was pretty cool, I thought. And then an announcement happened yesterday that there's a complaint that had been filed, not disclosed by whom, but a complaint of assault by a professional athlete after the game, between the Raiders and the Cardinals. So then the assumption was that it was Kyler Murray, and a video got released that showed Kyler Murray getting slapped, open-handed, on his face during that Lambo-le. So I watched the video very carefully, then someone posted the video on slow so I could watch it in slow-mo, then real-time, then rewound That it's a 19-second video, you can Google it, it's everywhere. Kyler Murray was not assaulted. Kyler Murray was not purposefully made contact in a way that was inappropriate and illegal. When you are celebrating with a player who's moving around, by accident, you may cop a feel. Now, copying a feel on Kyla Murray means that a hand got close to his face. But the Las Vegas Police Department is going to investigate? It was extremely frustrating for me. Because when you run a team and you're responsible for things that go on in your stadium, if I were running the Las Vegas Raiders, am I putting up barriers now? Am I at risk is there any potential liability with players coming into the stands, Ron Artest style? That's not what the Lambo Leap is. It's meant to celebrate. Is there a difference? The law doesn't see it. How amazingly depressing is it where Ron Artest going in at the Malice in the Palace and getting into a punching fight And on top of that, Kyler Murray, not going into the stands, but celebrating a win where you are in danger of one of your fans, either a season ticket holder or a single game buyer being subject to a complaint and then criminal action. I don't want to subject my fans to that at all. So what am I going to do? I'm going to hurt the many because I have to protect the few. It's a direct violation of my very philosophy. My John Stuart Mill greatest good theory, it's always the many who take precedence over the few. Unless you're running a business. It's the entire story of TSA security right? The one underwear bomber. So now everyone checks your underwear and you can't bring candy on a plane and take your shoes off because of the shoe bomber. One guy does one thing from the stands and all of a sudden you have 29,000 security guards for 38,000 people. Your expenses go up or you have to put barriers up that make it harder. It's baseball, right? There's nets all over the field because people get dinged by foul balls who aren't paying attention. Now you're going to criticize me. Plenty of people get hit by foul balls who are paying attention. I guess that's true. But I never wanted the Nets up because the Nets were only put up for liability reasons. So barriers that have to be put up now in football stadiums and it hasn't been ruled on, but it's coming. That's happening because what if the fan gets sued or the fan files a lawsuit? And what if the team is a part of that lawsuit, a party to it, and then has to spend money to get out of it or worse, has to spend money to settle it? That's why team owners end up doing all of these things as well as other business owners to try to control downside and avoid avoidable expenditures at the cost of game experience for fans. To me, it's slightly embarrassing. I'll tell you how this ends though. There is no question about it. There will be no charges brought against that fan. There was no intent to do any anything other than celebrate with Kyler Murray. It makes zero sense to me. So the investigation will start and then stop and I'll give you a wait to see on this. That's how sure I am. There will be an announcement cuz someone's going to follow up. Wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But either way, we always revisit it. No charges will be brought in the Kyler Murray case. So another example of a wait to see where I revisit it, you may not remember this because it was over a month ago. On August 11th of 22, when the Tigers fired their GM, Al Avila, great man, fired him. I said they were gonna hire a GM with experience. No, I still wanna talk about that, Coca, by the way. I still do. That's a good one. But I just wanted to finish with Avila. I wanted to tell you that uh, the Tigers hired someone. And I could take the win. Coke and I talk about this during our pregame, pregame. That's funny. Where's my head? On the pre-show producer meeting, which really is just me and Coca, because that's all you get with nothing personal, just me and Coca. It's a two-man show, folks. That's it. Every day. So we were talking about the fact that they did – Hire an experienced executive. They hired the GM from the San Francisco Giants. So I could take a win, a yes on the way to see. But here's what I was thinking. I thought they were going to hire Mike Hill, who they should have hired. I thought they would hire, if not Mike Hill, someone who had had experience running an organization. This Harris guy from San Francisco, from the Theo Epstein Cubs tree, he's not experienced in running the show. Major League Baseball owners are such copycats. You've got a few smart analytical minds, Ivy League educated, whatever they are. And all of a sudden, anyone who doesn't use only analytics doesn't get hired to run a baseball organization. When I think about the job description for being the president of baseball operations, having an analytic mind is about 10% of what I want. The people who run the baseball operations departments are running a business, the largest business center of the baseball team. It's the largest cost center. It's got the most employees other than stadium operations. It's a big business. You need someone who knows how to be a people person, who knows how to manage people, who has the experience or the ability but right now, owners are solely focused on copying the, the success, I guess you could say, of these young, non-baseball, non-experienced executives. But his title was GM, but I've already told you that we make up that title because the president of baseball operations is really the one in charge. In the old days, if you're the GM of a team, you're in charge. But now GMs are the same as assistant GMs because the president of baseball operations are the same as the old GMs. So I can't take the win, Coca. I'm not going to take it. That's a loss. The Tigers did not hire an experienced person to run their organization. Will it work? Well, for all you people in Detroit, I certainly hope so. It's not definite, though. I did that poll on Amazon streaming the other day. How many of you watched the Thursday night game on Amazon? How many of you were new to Amazon? So many issues with Amazon and the streaming. There were technical issues. Not as bad as the Sunday ticket on DirecTV. God, are they despondent. Do you know why there's technical issues on DirecTV Sunday ticket? Side note, because guess who's not having the Sunday ticket starting next season? DirecTV. Therefore, do you think they're allocating tons of resources to make sure that all glitches are taken care of and all customers are happy? They could give a good goddamn, and that's bad for business, but they don't care. So these streaming services are going to have some issues as they start doing games. Amazon had some issues. Apple TV with their game and baseball. Were there issues? Were there Not. Are people upset that they have to get Apple TV to watch certain games that are exclusive in MLB? Guess what, the NFL doesn't care if you don't have Amazon. They don't care if you do. Major League Baseball does not care if you sign up for Apple TV or you don't. It is critical for MLB and for the NFL and all leagues to start getting into bed with streaming services. Pay attention, folks. I don't care how old you are, streaming services are your future. If you can't figure out how to be smart on your apps with your TV, uh, get help from your child because you better be. But it brings up an interesting question. If you had a business where you had something big going on, do you want the most people seeing it? Or do you want to make sure that your organization makes the most money from it? Think about that difference for one second. Do you want the most people seeing it? Or do you want to make the most money? MLB, it came out yesterday or maybe today, although likely not today given the hour. MLB said that they are not moving the Yankees game that is scheduled to be on Apple TV. And the question is, why not? Aaron Judge has a chance to set the American League record for home runs. Aaron Judge has a chance to set the Yankees record for home runs. He's got 59 or 58. What does he have, Coca? I lost track. 58 or 59, so he's 59. So he is three away, and that's it. Why wouldn't MLB and the networks flex that game to make sure it's available to the widest audience, any possible Yankees game, to make sure that the most people can see it? It's like Albert Pujols. It's the biggest story around. Only three players have ever hit 700 home runs. He's going to be the fourth if he gets it. Don't you want everybody seen it? Nope. Apple TV, to pay the money they paid, said, we want Yankees Red Sox. Who doesn't? So Friday night's game of this week, when it's not impossible, you've got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Pirates, Pirates, Red Sox, Red Sox. He only needs three home runs. He could get that in one game, but he can certainly get that in four games. Apple TV would love him to get it. He'd love, they'd love Aaron Judge to be at 61 heading into the Friday game. Thursday's game is national. That's on, that's on Fox. But Friday's game, if you want to watch him break the record, go to Apple TV. MLB wants it to happen on Apple TV because then the other streaming services, when any deals come up, though they're in the beginning of their broadcast deals, but you want to be able to tell the story, to spin the yarn, that guess what? Good things happen. People come. People will come, Ray. People will come. Will they on Friday night if he's at 61? My God, am I rooting for that. Nothing personal pick of the day. Can I get a quick thank you just in my left earlobe? Coca, nothing. Scott, anything? Pick the Brewers over the Mets. Max Scherzer coming back. Six innings. He didn't give up a walk. He didn't give up a hit. It was a perfect game. I'm getting my jacket pressed, my shirt unwrinkled out of the hamper getting ready to go on CBS to talk about a perfect game. That's the end of Scherzer. They take him out after six. He didn't have many pitches, like 68 pitches or something. And guess what? The next pitcher in was Tyler McGill, who hadn't pitched like in months and gave up a double immediately to Yelich. But the Mets beat the Brewers. So we're down to 108 and 82. Tonight we have a game, and this is an interesting one. The Astros are playing the Rays. The Astros just clinched the West. The Astros will have the best record in the American League. The Astros are unlikely. Is it unlikely, Coke? Are you willing to give me an unlikely? But let me just make sure whether it is totally unlikely. Like, have they been eliminated? The Dodgers have 102 wins and the Astros have 97 It is extremely unlikely that in a Dodgers-Astros World Series, the Astros would have home field advantage. What do you do the day after you clinch and your position is your position? Saw what the Dodgers did. They gave Freddie Freeman his first day off. You're going to give a bunch of team, a bunch of your players, the day off because you did it. But they're playing the Rays. If I am the general manager, or the president of the Astros, I want to win tonight's game against the Rays. I want to crush the Rays so they know very clearly whether they make the playoffs, get out of the wild card round or not, that they will not have a chance against us because even when it doesn't matter, we are going to win. So I'm taking the Astros even after they've clinched the West in my nothing personal pick of the day. And for everyone who continued to go crazy, when I said, I don't know when, when this was, it was probably a couple months ago, when I told you that the Astros were the better team that the Astros had. This was in early July. So yeah, I mean, July, oh God, it's almost three months ago. I said, the Astros have a better and deeper team from a lineup standpoint, from a pitching standpoint, from a bench standpoint, the Astros are a better team. And you all thought I was completely out of my mind. I think I'm right on that. The Astros are are a better team and they have as much incentive to win the world series as the yankees do yankees because they haven't done it since 09 the astros because they haven't done it without garbage cans somebody's going to get to the world series from the american league and someone's going to have a good redemption story all right we'll be back tomorrow you know why it's a day that ends in why it's just business this is nothing personal